Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today's guest is Matt Metris. Matt is a frequent guest of the show. He's an EA, a crypto tax expert, and he is the owner of MDM Financial. Today, we're going to be talking to Matt about the new IRS revenue ruling about staking. Matt, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Sal. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, always great to have you on. Thank you. Uh, for any new listeners, can you give us a little brief background about yourself? Yeah, totally. I mean, you summed it up. I'm an enrolled agent from Rochester, New York. I uh, started in the crypto space like hardcore 2017, but I did my first crypto return in 2015, which I got paid for in Dogecoin, uh, mm-hmm. which I did eventually sell. It had a went up quite a bit, I'm sure you're aware. Um, yeah, and I just practice uh, primarily in the crypto space. Now I do a lot of uh, writing and, and tax education for other tax professionals and stuff like this to make sure everyone uh, in the tax space stays up to speed. Yeah, we were just talking beforehand, like you've been going to these conferences and you're always educating people about crypto taxes. You're very knowledgeable. So truly an honor. I mean, I know you've been on this podcast a lot, but really an honor to have you on. And I really do appreciate you uh, coming on to talk to us. Yeah, I'm always happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about, like I said, the IRS revenue ruling. We're just going to do a quick episode, just discuss this ruling that was released sometime late July, maybe early August. It's early August right now. It was very recently released. And so can you tell us, Matt, like what this revenue ruling is about and just give us a little rundown on on the ruling? Yeah, absolutely. It was released on uh, the 31st of July, mm-hmm. um, roughly an hour before I was about to teach a crypto class to a room full of tax oh, professionals. That, so that, that threw me for a little bit of a loop. I was yeah. uh, going up to my room to put a suit on in the hotel and uh, somebody messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, did you see this? And I was like, oh, man, now I got to integrate this into my class. Um, but yeah, so it is uh, revenue ruling 2023-14. And it answers formally uh, the question that's been asked a long time around whether or not staking income is taxable. Um, and I'll just quote it because it's really short here. It says, if a taxpayer that uses the cash method of accounting stakes cryptocurrency native to a proof of stake blockchain and receives additional units of cryptocurrency as rewards when validation occurs, must the taxpayer include the value of those rewards in gross income? And basically it says yes. And I think we knew that all along um, and we can sort of break that down. But what happens a lot is, you know, we think about proof of work and proof of stake and proof of work. The IRS has said has been taxable income since 2014. And so a lot of people just said, hey, proof of work, proof of stake sounds like the same thing. We'll just treat them all as income. But uh, not until this revenue ruling came out uh, earlier this week, was it ever formally uh stated by the IRS that staking should be income. And we saw a lot of arguments in the past. There's an organization called the Proof of Stake Alliance that is a conglomerate of different organizations saying that staking shouldn't be income. The Congressional Blockchain Caucus, which is a group of members of the House, wrote a letter to the former IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick and said, we don't think staking should be income. Um, And of of course, I think probably all listeners are familiar with the Jarrett case, but if you want, we can do a quick review of that as well. Yeah, we can run down the Jarrett case a little bit. It's, you know, it's relevant here. So please, if you want to give us a little uh, rundown on it. Yeah. So basically uh, a couple named Josh and Jessica Jarrett 
uh, filed a 2019 tax return with uh, their Tezos rewards from staking Tezos. And immediately after filing, they filed an amended return saying they shouldn't have to pay taxes on the staking rewards because it shouldn't be income. And their argument was like maintaining the blockchain is very similar to a baker baking a loaf of bread. And their argument was the baker doesn't get taxed when they put the ingredients in the oven and take it out of the oven. Now they have a loaf of bread. They've created new property. The baker doesn't get taxed at that point. They get taxed when they sell the bread to a customer. That was the argument they were making. By participating in the proof of stake blockchain maintenance, they were creating new property, creating new cryptocurrency. The analogy doesn't work 100% because they're not taking raw ingredients in order to create the bread out of that or the new currency out of that. They're being rewarded it with tokens or coins of the currency in exchange for maintaining the blockchain. So that's a little bit of the nuance difference. So what they did is they filed this amended return saying they want their money back. But this was also in the spring of 2020. And so at that point, the IRS just wasn't processing tax returns and amended returns at all because everything just was completely in turmoil because of COVID. Mm -hmm. However, the tax code explicitly states if you file an amended return and the IRS doesn't give you your money within six months, you can sue the IRS in district court. And that's exactly what they did. They had the backing of the proof of stake alliance, because keep in mind, they were only suing for about $3,700. And so it was, this is not a, an amount of money that you would take the IRS to court for out of your own pocket, because you're going to spend more in attorney costs than you would have, um, you know, get got back from the IRS. So they sued the IRS for the $3,700 or 37 and change. And basically, the IRS said, okay, here's your money. And everyone said, oh, great, the IRS acquiesced, you know, staking isn't taxable. Uh, but that wasn't the case. The IRS was just settling the case because it was going to cost them more than $3,700 to fly attorneys out to the middle district of Tennessee and litigate the case. Um, so it just wasn't worth it for the IRS. Um, the Jarrett said, no, thank you. Uh, we don't want the money. We want this to go to court. And so that was pending for a while. And then eventually the court said, well, Jarrett, you, you got your money just because you don't want it doesn't matter. You don't have standing anymore, so you can't sue. So that case was put to bed without any sort of resolution. But a lot of crypto taxpayers point to that case as their reasoning why staking shouldn't be taxable, even though there really isn't any precedential value to it. Right. And so now back to the revenue ruling, it's basically saying, here's our official statement. You do have to pay taxes on your staking rewards when you receive them at fair market value. And is there any nuance to that? Is there? I mean, there's a lot of different protocols in crypto, obviously, and a lot of different activities that you would maybe say are staking, but maybe are slightly different in terms of how the protocol works and how the rewards are received. So is there any nuance in this or is it just, are people just expected to take this as like a blanket statement of if you receive a reward for any type of activity related to proof of stake, you owe income tax on it for that fair market value? Yeah, I think it's that's a great question, Sal. And it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Mm -hmm. um, it is sort of a blanket statement on all proof of stake rewards. 
but you're completely correct that every blockchain is going to function differently, right? When we look at like Cardano, there's an epoch every five days and I can easily go into my wallet and see how much rewards I earned during that epoch. If I'm staking Ethereum, it's gonna be a lot more difficult because there's blocks you know, every 10 seconds or something on ETH. So every network is gonna have these little variations. And um, so while this is sort of a blanket statement, it doesn't get into the nuance of each individual blockchain and how those rules are going to apply. And it also says fair market value. It specifies fair market value on the date of receipt, right? It does, and it highlights, it does highlight that there may be a period of time in which the taxpayer has received the rewards but does not have the ability to sell or exchange them. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that period of time, you don't have income. You don't have income until the point in which you have what we call dominion and control. Do you wanna run down dominion and control? Because those are two very important terms related to staking. So if you explain what dominion and control both mean, if you can. Yeah, well, let's take a step back into Section 61 of the Internal Revenue Code. And Section 61 basically says everything is income unless there's something else in the tax code that makes it not be income. And that's sort of the blanket uh, section of the code that the IRS has been pointing to for all things crypto. And then they reference even deeper a, a, Glen, a Supreme Court case called Glenshaw Glass from 1955. And this is the case that they also used in the revenue ruling around hard forks. And basically what it says is there's a three prong test. And if you have an undeniable accession to wealth, that's one, which is clearly realized, that's two, over which the taxpayer has complete dominion. That's three. And then we add control sort of in, in you know, those square brackets because it's implied. Mm -hmm. So we have to meet all those tests in order for something to be considered income. So there has to be value to it, which is the undeniable accession to wealth. If I find a piece of paper on the ground that doesn't have any value to it, there's no accession to wealth there. But if I get, if I receive some sort of cryptocurrency that has value, then I have an accession to wealth. Clearly realized means the transaction has to be complete. It's not pending. I have access to the things that I want. And, and that ties into dominion and control as well. I have to be able to get rid of it. I have to be able to transact in it. It has to be mine. There doesn't have to be strings attached to it, right? It's not money that I or objects, property that I might be getting six months in the future. It's something that I have today that I can use. I think uh, what what pops in my head when you mentioned like finding a piece of paper on the ground, and this may be like a totally negligible thought experiment, but I'm trying to kind of think of this from the people who really wish that you couldn't say all staking is taxable because maybe they just want that because they don't want to have to pay a lot of taxes on their staking rewards. Maybe they don't have that much money anymore. Maybe their staking rewards were worth money at one point and they never sold them and now they're not worth very much. So I'm trying to play devil's advocate when I do this brief thought experiment, which is you talk about finding a piece of paper on the ground. Let's say you find a piece of paper that everybody wants for that day or a few days. Everybody wants that piece of paper and, and is willing to pay you, you know, $10,000 for that piece of paper. And then a few days later, the hype dies down. Nobody wants that paper anymore. And you still have it. You never sold it, but you have to pay taxes because at one point it was worth $10,000, but a few days later, it's no longer worth $10,000 and you, you didn't sell it. So again, maybe a totally naive and negligible thought experiment, but like, do you, you see the point of that thought experiment? That's a great concept. And the one thing we have to keep in mind above all else is that the tax code is not fair. 
it's not designed to be fair. It's yeah. just designed. It just is as it is, right? And so that's where I run into problems a lot with with clients, even with other tax professionals, is they say this is inherently unfair, and we, it shouldn't be this way. But that doesn't change the fact that it is. Um, and we see that a lot, whether it's through staking or or especially with like airdrops, right? We we see a whole bunch of value the first couple of days and then it tanks. And if you claim those airdrops at ordinary income and then sell them at a loss, you know, in theory, it evens out until we hit those $3,000 a year capital loss limitations. And right. so I've seen a number of clients that have large amounts of ordinary income from airdrops that they sold at a loss, but they can't claim the fully deductible loss because of those limitations. And that's really frustrating, but that's just the way the tax code is designed. And it would take an act of Congress to to make changes to it. I think that makes total sense. I mean, it's not a matter of if it's fair. So I think that that answers that thought experiment completely. Like, yes, maybe it doesn't make sense. Yes, maybe it's not fair, but that doesn't change the fact that that is the rule. And right. that's just how it is. Again, this is a revenue ruling, right? This is not law. So mm -hmm. this is saying, this is how the IRS officially plans to interpret this going forward. And this is a position that they will defend in court. That's what this revenue ruling says. But that doesn't mean that once it gets to court, that's ultimately gonna be how the, the judge rules. So that's something to keep in mind, that this is going to be the position the IRS takes moving forward. But none of these things, crypto-related, have really been to court yet. And so mm. that's where we see things potentially change. Personally, I don't think that this one is going to um, you know, be successful in court if, if you try to take an argument counter to it. Whereas the revenue ruling on forks, I think that has a good likelihood of, of failing once it gets to court. Okay. So does this revenue ruling have any other information in it that is worthy of discussing? Or is there anything else about this revenue ruling you think is interesting? I mean, it's it's was pretty straightforward. I mean, most professionals felt that staking rewards should already be taxable. There are a couple interesting things in the footnotes. There's a footnote that said the facts in this revenue ruling do not address any type of gas or transaction fees other than the validation rewards described herein. So what, you know, really it's saying we're not talking about gas and that has nothing to do with anything. Same thing is there's another footnote that says this revenue ruling does not address issues that arise under section 83, which involves the transfer of property in a, as compensation for services provided. So both of those imply that there may be future guidance on those subjects coming down the pipeline in the near future. Okay, great. So TLDR, Staking is taxable, uh, according to this revenue ruling, you know, taxable at the time of receipt with the fair market value of when you received them, essentially. Yep. Staking was taxable, still is taxable, and now it's officially taxable. Awesome. Well, you know, not awesome for many people, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, at least there's a little bit of clarity. And I appreciate you coming through and, and discussing it and giving us a little historical rundown and also just kind of explaining the actual revenue ruling itself. And also worth noting, this is only proof of stake blockchain rewards. When we talk about staking, a lot of times we think about like yield farming or, you know, other types of yield arrangements where you're earning some sort of crypto for doing something that isn't official staking. It's not maintaining a blockchain. So it's important to differentiate those rewards as well. A lot of people are probably curious about that, but there's no guidance on that. But generally, there's, most people would say same thing. Like if you receive it as income, it's probably income, but there's no real guidance on it. Yeah, definitely. I would say same thing. Um, and But you're right. There is no guidance.
All right. Well, Matt, thank you again so much for coming and, and discussing this. We'll have to have you on for a longer episode. It's, it's strange doing a quick episode, but we just needed a little rundown on this and you're the perfect guy to do it. Yeah, I'm happy to help. Great. Well, how should people find you if they want a tax professional? How, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, you can email me at matt at defitaxes.me. M-D-M-E-M-D-E-E-M uh, -E 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 on Twitter is, is probably the best place to find me on socials. That's where I post about crypto and taxes. All right, perfect, Matt. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And Matt, have a great day. You too, Sal. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Taxes Podcast. You can find out more information about today's guest by going to talk.bitcoin.tax. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could give us a positive review on whichever podcast platform you listen to the episode on. Don't forget, you can go to bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks again for listening.